Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Let's get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who wasn't made in Austin, but he got there as quick as he could. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I am uh, fantastic. I hope everyone is uh, in Austin this weekend. Uh, I don't know if there's a way that I can find my way there. I might still swing a last minute trip but there are there are events to be had this weekend orange and white game that's right football of some relative meaning uh a full bevo boulevard longhorn city limits if you're ready to rock out to jamestown revival autographs crawfish boil baseball series uh against baylor soccer it's it it, this is this is actually jam-packed lion king is at the bass concert hall bon jovi opening up the moody center gerald whoo are you ready for a wild weekend in Austin? Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've had a wild weekend in Austin, but uh, yes, I'm ready to, to see the events. I'm ready to see some football. I'm ready for people to come into the spring game with preconceived notions about who the quarterback is going to be and then come out of the spring game justifying their preconceived notions about who is the starting quarterback and who will not be the starting quarterback. Uh, but we're not here to talk about football. are here to talk, however, about an abysmal showing by the baseball team. Let's just go and say it. It was absolutely terrible. A bad weekend for a lot of good teams uh, over the last few weeks. Well, down the 40, a lot of action from the top teams on campus. We'll close the show out with some bang the drum. If you didn't catch it, we are doing Thursday shows. Again, we've got last week's episode, an interesting one. We covered uh, the Director's Cup standings with a special guest who's done the math because, well, Kyle and I both have communications degrees, so we wanted somebody smarter to help us out. But check that out if you hadn't. This Thursday, we're going to talk about one of our favorite um Summer preview shooting from the hip questions. That'll be a little tease. They call that a tease in the industry. So check us out on Thursday. We'll bring back a classic. But we'll start at the top with Kyle. I don't know how else to say this. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Texas had an opportunity to make up some ground uh, in Big 12 play, heading to uh, Kansas State, heading to Manhattan, Kansas, to take on the bottom-feeding Wildcats. Uh, The top four teams in the conference were playing each other, so Texas, with a win or even a sweep, if you're feeling greedy, uh, could have made up some ground in the standings, but instead gave Kansas 66% of their conference wins dropping the weekend series 2-1 to the Wildcats coming off that big win over Stephen F. Austin it felt like we had some reason to be hopeful and then uh well Friday and Saturday happened a two and two week was not what I was expecting especially when you lose the weekend series I almost would have thought it was more likely that we we you know lost one of the weekend on a fluke and and lost the midweek game I did losing two games in that in that weekend series was was pretty wild um it, the fifth inning of the of the Friday game was one of the worst innings of Texas baseball that I've I've watched. Like they they went from you know offensively having a guy get picked off uh, running and then a, a kind of very odd call to send Melendez from third where he got gunned and we later found out hurt uh, and then you know the the next inning could have got out of it with a relatively routine you know 
shortstop to second base exchange uh, to get out of the inning turns into an error, leads to home runs, and all of a sudden it's seven straight runs for the Kansas State Wildcats. Now, admittedly, they've had some magic uh, at home. They've beaten another top 10 team there, but they didn't win a series uh, there. But so, I mean, I don't know. They're not a good team, but they, they seem to... Uh, have something they can do at home, I guess. But uh, it just it started off so well when they were up 5-1 and everything was comfortable. We said, oh, wow, this weekend is going as expected. We, we moved everything up for Easter a day, so we started on Thursday. And uh, look, we're getting a little, little Friday baseball a day early. Texas looks good. Uh, and then it just, the wheels kind of fell off for two straight games from that fifth inning on. It was just a uh, rather pathetic showing. I mean, it just didn't really feel like anything was uh what was special anything could work out i mean again saturday they're without melendez and obviously without eric kennedy through all of this so your your kind of fastest player and and your your biggest hitter but I, again i don't know that injuries should have the ripple effect that we saw with tanner witz on the bullpen and and uh kind of the bats of the rest of the team when melendez goes out so it's it's been a little bit interesting how this team responds when a little adversity hits them that's the thing for me is it, this team doesn't feel like it has that uh, that dog in it or something where they they get knocked down and it's a thing we've we've you know hit the football team up about on several occasions like they they got down and couldn't dig themselves out of it specifically I think the pitchers the pitchers are the ones that I think uh, which is a not a great group to be uh, mentally fragile we'll say uh, because you've got to walk on that mound and know you've got the stuff to blow that dude out of off the plate and I don't necessarily know like Pete Hansen had a great start and then the wheels just fell off like just completely came off like he looked like Kansas State got to him and he didn't know what to do and then they pulled him um and Southard I think on his second pitch of his outing gave gave up a three-run home run like the the pitchers just did not answer the call on on Friday or Saturday. Tristan Stevens had another rough go on Saturday. Uh, gave up eight hits, four earned in, in six innings, and then um, got shown up by uh, transfer at Kansas State. Blake Adams pitched seven and gave up you know three three hits, just one earned run and six strikeouts. Like they're both four and four on the year, so maybe they're just comparable pitchers at this point. But we like it, it's like I don't know what else to say other than like I just I'm not sure what happened to the the all world pitching staff that we seem to have. I think the most consistent guy has has been Lucas Gordon, who's come in the last couple of Sundays and been good for Texas, and that's uh, been the difference and the reason why potentially Texas hasn't lost a Sunday yet in conference play. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, yeah, a lot of credit goes to Lucas Gordon, right? We talked about a uh, a fault. Er, we talked about a Tanner Witt injury um, and, and what we're going to do with Sunday. And it took a little bit, but it feels like they've really figured that out a bit with Gordon. Um, I mean, there was a Melendez injury, and then in that, that Saturday game, the only player with multiple hits was Gavin Cash, who I think is going to be a good player for us, but the freshman who came in and, and you know went two for three. So it seems to be it's not the guy coming in for the guy. It's everyone else not seeing that guy and their knees shaking or they're expected to step up a little bit more and they can't do it. Um, you know, I, I will say, look, Pete Hansen is coming off back-to-back uh, Big 12 Pitcher of the Week performances where he was just nails and through five innings, he was real good. I think he struck out like four of the first five. Started off hot. It seemed like the third time through the order he they, they got to him. But I don't, I, I'm less concerned – with Hanson, that one is tough. I am concerned with Nixon. You're not wrong. I mean, 
he's had some really brain scratching outings, you know, like it just, it, it, it feels like maybe there's so much tape on him at this point. People have something figured <laughs> out, you know, he's, he's pitched so long. I mean, that the thing that hitters have always known with Nixon knew last year is that he's going to come in and he's going to throw strikes, but he certainly has had less success this year when he's just throwing strikes with people being able to just put those balls in play or sometimes out of play in, in the stands behind. Um, it, it's It's been a little bit interesting. I don't think they're ready to make any shakeup or change there. Um, but right now it does feel like Hansen and Gordon are the more consistent of the three starters. Uh, I don't know what you do exactly if you're Pierce, but um, I do hope that they can figure something out because it is a little bit worrying. Again, look, Stevens went six, you know, six and a third like he does. He gave up for four earn. That's not the worst outing uh, of in the world if your offense like Texas had been doing is getting you seven, eight, nine runs. Uh, you know, you could win with that and say, all right, yeah, quality starts. All right, it's pretty good. Um, could be better. But uh, when the offense goes three for 28 on the day, and again, the aforementioned freshman Gavin Cash has two of them. Thank goodness Silas Ardwin had the, the, the homer to break up the shutout. But the team just looked just utterly lifeless i thought there was a sweep on the table uh on sunday yeah. I, I, I am 100 I, I am legitimately proud yet again of a team that came into a sunday with you know some terrible games the first two that didn't go their way they at least showed that like they show that's where the backstop on this team is they'll slide and they'll get to the edge of the cliff and dig their heels in a little bit that's about the place that i've seen them really you know dig in and say, no, we won't get swept. Uh, hate to be in that situation, especially with our expectations for this team. But I mean, at the very least, I think we've said this on this podcast again, like it could be a lot worse and we could be saying a lot worse things about this team had they not bucked up and, and done something on Sunday and they got the 4-2 win. And, and again, I think that speaks to probably the depth of Texas versus most of the opponents they're going to play all throughout. By the time you get to Sunday and you've thrown all your best arms, Texas is just going to have a couple more. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it's, it is not reassuring to keep winning uh, Sunday games and, and, and not winning Saturday games or occasionally Friday games. That is like the ultimate, like, lost the war but won the battle situation. Like, I, especially on a team that, again, we had aspirations of Omaha two months ago where we thought that this could be one of the all-time teams of Texas history. They haven't lost a Sunday in conference play is not the feather in the cap that it should be at this point, especially a team that's supposed to be finding its rhythm and finding its like finding its footing heading into the home stretch of conference play and then into the, the Big 12 tournament. Gerald, how do you how do you prefer your steak cooked? I'm, a, I'm like a, a medium rare to to rare kind of guy. Okay, and how do you how do you eat your eggs if you have your choice in the morning? I am a, like a scrambled egg kind of guy with because mm. you can throw stuff in it. How do you like your caveats? Because I got them. I em. don't like them. I have some caveats. <laughs> I don't like them. Not not well. <laughs> Gerald, I will tell you, Texas has been a different team at home. That's why we were hoping they host regional. Um, they've been a much <laughs> much much better team at home. They have 14 home games and four away games remaining now again this caveat comes with the fact that they we assumed a sweep or at least a series win against the worst team in conference when they had to go on the road that was their easiest road series without a doubt and they lost it but they do have 14 home games remaining so you know there's a little bit of they could get hot in that run the sky could stop falling the other caveat is baseball's weird this season seems to be yeah. even weirder than most the the top 20 teams basically you had Let's call it 13 of them uh, have the exact same or worse week 
is Texas had. I mean, the only team that had, had separated themselves above the pack up to this point was Tennessee. They went two and two. Miami had gone hot nuclear to get to number two in the country. They went two and two. Texas Tech, remember them? They were saying they were the best team in the country. They went 0-4 and got swept by TCU, and that's just because the Big 12 sports in general across all non-football sports, I guess, uh, on the men's side are just a giant uh, Ouroboro where they, you know, consume their <laughs> own tail. Um, but, you know, uh, UVA had been really hot. They went 1-3. Louisville 1-3. Notre Dame 1-3. Those are all top 10 teams. UCLA, UCLA, Georgia, LSU, and Dallas Baptist, uh, Auburn, and Arizona, top 20 teams. They all went 2-2. Two and two. LSU in that group, 0-3. Oh so, I mean, you're looking at a lot of teams that weirdly struggled. So there's a few things, right? The, the goals that Texas had are still in play. Now, technically, we are walking <laughs> our expectations slowly down from number one team. By God, we'll be undefeated all year. Um, we'll only give up 10 runs all season, right? Okay, we've, we've come back to, to earth. But if they were to get hot and play at the they're kind of apex that we assume that they can and have seen them do um, and can get healthy and all those things. They, they have a, a favorable run in uh, as it's set up right now. If they go out and do something against their hardest test left against o- Oklahoma State and make a statement, you know, that this could be, be a really good slide in. They could very likely. They're still number 10 in the RPI because of their strength of schedule. They, they're still, you know, a couple good solid wins and some consistency, which they have not had. But if they can find that uh, away from hosting a regional. So that those are my, my, my giant, uh, you know, seasoned, a uh, little, little bit of spice, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of nice, nice uh, saute on that. Served them up to you hot. Those are the, all the caveats I can, I can try to offer. But nonetheless, it's disappointing. There is no getting around. This was a very disappointing weekend. The fact that you caveated a caveat means that caveat was well done. And that's what we're going to go with as our transition. Up next for Texas, got a weekday series hosting the Air Force. To be to be fair, the Air Force Falcons. They aren't hosting the entire the entirety of United the States Air Force, armed the, forces of the air. Retired, active duty, all of them going to be there in Austin. No. So they got the Air Force Falcons in the midweek series before hosting the Baylor Bear over the weekend. Again, Kyle said it. That is a uh, that's the start of what's hopefully a uh, successful majority home schedule for Texas as they close out the regular season. There was a lot of other stuff going on on campus this weekend, and so we're going to have a big down the forty for you. Number eighteen softball. We're normally not excited about softball losing a weekend series, except when it comes. As part of snapping the Oklahoma Sooners 40 game win streak. Yes, Texas lost the series two to one and they got run ruled on Saturday, which absolutely was awful. But on Cat Osterman Jersey retirement day, which by the way, if you look at the box scores for if you've ever never looked at the box scores of the softball team, go look at them and look at the weather for the day, because I don't think they think anybody's paying attention. Saturday, Sunday's forecast was partly cloudy with a chance of goat, because it was Cat <laughs> Ostevich Jersey Retirement Day. Uh, Texas was scoreless in the fifth, and then uh, went ahead and actually fell. Uh, they took a 4 nothing lead over the Sooners, which I think that might be like the first time OU has trailed in like what feels like eight years. Yeah. Um, 
OU tried to make it a, a little bit tight in the seventh, uh, hit a two-run home run in the top, but reti- but Texas retired the next two batters to close out the game. So that was a big win for the Longhorns, knocking off the number one team in the country, uh, at least for one, I think it's been, what, eight years or something since Texas has beaten OU? To use the, uh, the gif from Titanic uh, of Rose, it's been 84 years. Um, it's been at least 84 games, Kyle. <laughs> Probably. I, I was just glancing at it, the, the Sooners' schedule. Gerald, I'm going to count things out loud, and you guess what I'm counting when I get to the end. One, two. This is a great podcast. When you when you do visual medium, three. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Four, five, six. Oklahoma run rules. Include. <laughs> there have been six games this season that Oklahoma didn't run rule their opponent. <laughs> They've played the inverse. They've played 39 <laughs> games, Gerald. That includes two of the three games against Texas. So, so I mean, they Texas owns also a, not only a win, but a third of the games that a team didn't get run ruled by OU. Like, I, I don't know if people understand how dominant a performance it is. I, I, it, it, it would legitimately be like if there wasn't. Cal uh, in swimming and in Texas swimming was just had one instead of whatever it is, 22 national championships. It was 37. Like they're just so dominant right now. Uh, they're, they're averaging like winning by 13 or 14 runs. Like they are just crushing people. They very rarely give up more than one or two runs this season. Um, and again, they, they hadn't lost. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty incredible game. Like I, I, I don't, like to give OU so much credit, but I mean, legitimately, they were a powerhouse. We've said it all season. They were the the, the odds-on favorite. They have the all-time home run champion on their team that's full of All-Americans. They have pitchers for days. I mean, they really, truly are stacked. I mean, they are so much better than what OU's football team or Texas's what thinks their football team or, you know, any of these <laughs> Big 12 programs. It's, it's Texas swimming and OU softball right now that just dominate uh everyone else and so again it was a big deal i love seeing the women celebrate uh on cat osterman day they came in i said it on this podcast if they went one and two that's a good weekend if they went two and one i would be shocked and and here we are you know like they they honestly honestly had a chance in game one when they they lost three nothing a couple balls bounced a different way they could have won this series and just to even say that sentence out loud is is a bit crazy um but just hats off to to the women i i I hope OU and Texas get a rematch and, you know, or someone else knocks them off, but in a rematch in a national championship and, and, you know, let's go beat them. One game's all you need uh, again. Haley Dulcini had a heck of a weekend. Uh, I mean, I don't know if any pitcher can say this for the last, I don't know, probably five years, 14 innings pitched against OU gave up just two hits and two earned runs. Like that's that that was that was her line for the weekend. Like that is an incredible outing for Dulcini, and it seems like it, it seems like at the beginning of the year that and there probably this probably still exists, but like there's this huge gap between OU and like the rest of the country. But to know that Texas can at least show up for that game, it kind of gives me. It makes me feel a lot better based upon how we felt like again a month ago about how the baseball started. team. It felt like the wheels were coming off, so it, it feels 
so much better coming out of this weekend. And again, we've never been this excited about a 2-1. Look back, like rewind like 10 minutes how upset we were in the first segment of this show. Uh, I don't know if we've ever been this like felt good coming out of a, a, a series loss. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think it was a measuring stick. I think, again, if Texas had started off really hot the way that they're playing now, they had played well in the beginning of the season. This could have been like a number one versus number six seven matchup you know this would have been it still was a marquee matchup but um i think texas proved they're much better than than the 18th best team in the country it's it's about the consistency which they have shown since that rough start so i think the big test will come this weekend right they they, they get to take another you know rpi top 12 team on when they host uh, the other, you know, national championship contender from uh, from the other part of the state of Oklahoma. So um, I think I think Texas will find out a lot about them. Right? They they have consecutive big big weekends, and uh, we'll find out a lot. So Texas has Houston at home before taking on the Oklahoma State Cowgirls in Stillwater, which is a uh, another one of the toughest teams in the conference. It seemed like the the softball tiers in the conference was like OU a big gap, OSU a slightly smaller gap, and then Texas. Uh, RPI has that that gap between OSU and Texas not that wide. That's right. Eleven and thirteen says that this is effectively a toss up. I think OU or OSU having the the home advantage says that there's a likelihood that this could be another one two series loss. I think if you get out of there with a two one series win, you're ecstatic about what you did, and one of those pitchers be Miranda Elish who absolutely will want to beat Texas so you know that's just it's not easy um so I think uh you know if they somehow sweep good goodness I'm I'm drinking all the Kool-Aid for that OU Texas national championship rematch but uh again likely if they can they'll lose at least one in in, in my opinion but if they can make that fall on the 2-1 in Texas's favor then I feel great about the weekend Speaking of great, feeling great about the weekend, number 12, Texas men's tennis downs number 52, Oklahoma State, 5-2. to two. Texas took the doubles point thanks to uh, the doubles pairing of Ciamara and Harper and uh, Taluri and Shi Huang. They took the doubles point for Texas and then... It did take all seven points to get this done. Texas went four and two in the singles, uh, including Micah Braswell defeating uh, number 108 Tyler Zink of Oklahoma State. On the women's side, number four women's tennis took on Baylor, and this one again went the distance. They took uh, they beat Baylor four to three. Uh, Texas actually lost the doubles point and then had to win four of the six singles points to get it done. Peyton Stearns, uh, Sabrina Zenyalova. Uh, Vivian Overotsky and Alura Zampiara all took home the points for Texas to get the win for the weekend series. Yeah, and now we're looking towards the uh, Big 12 tennis championships for both men and women. The men will be taking on Oklahoma State again in Fort Worth uh, on April 22nd, uh, 3 p.m. on that one in Fort Worth. The women uh, finish the regular season 17-4, looking really good. The only conference loss in this whole season was to number three Oklahoma which got them the number two seed in uh, the those big 12 uh, end of season uh, tournament they will be in the quarterfinals with the two seed uh, on Thursday in Fort Worth playing the winner of the opening round matchup between Tech and West Virginia on Friday to add some color to that Texas swept West Virginia and beat Tech 4-1 so uh, solid solid odds that Texas will move on they'll play likely the winner of Oklahoma State and Kansas in 
the semifinals. Number 12, Texas men's golf, shockingly enough, wins another tournament. They got both cooties back. They are, I think, undefeated since the cooties uh, have reunited on the links. Pearson Cootie posted a one under par in the final round to tie for second, a pedestrian outing for him, second place overall <laughs> in the tournament. Yeah, I, I think they they... they both look great. They, Texas had uh, three guys also tie for number seven, so they had four, four players is what that means in the top <laughs> ten. Uh, Mason, uh, Nome, Cole, Hammer, and Travis Vick all tied at number seven, and then of course Cootie, uh, Pearson Cootie tying for uh, second. So they, they basically are, are firing on all cylinders. Uh, I don't know if the rankings have come out, but I keep saying that uh, that number twelve is is not long for this world with back to back wins. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it, uh, you know, a, a bit when we recap some of the alumni performance right now. Texas golf, men's golf, uh, current and alum is the center of the universe of people who hit tiny uh, white balls with metal sticks. They are the center of the universe for golf. That was a roundabout way of getting there, Kyle, but I like where you landed. Big 12 tournament starts next Monday in Trinity, Texas. Again, a solid shot at bringing home a conference title in that one. Number 11, women's golf finished third at the Brezzy. We talked about the Brezzy breakdown last week. Uh, They finished third behind Baylor and TCU and tied with Oklahoma State. The Big 12, a killer in the women's golf game. Yeah, this Texas is like is there and thereabouts, if you will, for a bunch of top ten Texas in the uh, the sports we just went through, uh, the country club sports as some call them. Uh, they they could they could win the tournament uh, in any of these in the, in their conference. They could they could be a salty team in a national championship, or you know they could be fourth in the tournament. They're just these these are all sports that are really deep at the top in the Big Twelve. Uh, but of course, Texas is is there or thereabouts, right in the hunt in all of these. And then finally, the volleyball team back on the court. They took on Baylor in a spring exhibition and swept the Bears, continuing a long tradition of us not liking Baylor. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I I hinted at it earlier, but have you heard there's a new place for Bon Jovi to come when he comes to Austin? That's right, folks. The Moody Center is... Uh, I thought you were opening a new Airbnb. Uh, hey, Mr. Bongiovi, uh, if you would like to stay at my Airbnb, it's it's yours anytime. No, this is this is exciting, Gerald. We've been talking about this. We knew it's coming when Chris Beard got hired. Uh, Vic Schaefer's talked about it. We, we had the celebration for closing out the drum. And those were all great, but like we're opening something new. And that's almost the more exciting part of it is... We are creating a new legacy entirely for uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, Austin concerts, presumably graduations. You know, there's going to be all kinds of uh, things that I mean, you you could make effectively the 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 argument right now until someone else springs a lot of cash somewhere else that this is the premier college basketball place, right? There are still, you know, fog and there's the Cameron crazies and there's atmospheres that are elite and, and, but you aren't going to have a newer, more expensive, more well-designed building in the country where college basketball is going to be played. So now it's up to the fans to fill that. Um, But what we saw today was some really cool stuff just from, you know, they had the media effectively uh, opening where uh, media was allowed to tour and walk through uh, some interesting things in there, you know, um, 
concession prices, I would say, guys, you know, maybe grab something uh, on your way in. I don't know if there's a Ropolo's cart or something like that. You're probably going to get better prices outside, but that's okay. You know, it's it's fine. Um, but it's it's legitimately from all pictures from all all media members or people who've toured it or seen it uh, or taken shots. It, it's it's it is wowing and impressive from everyone I've talked to or, or what I've seen posted from people as well who've been there. I mean, there's parts that we'll never see. I, there's two private boardrooms underground that uh, look as swanky. You know, I, I don't know that any of us will ever see them, but there's just, I think there's like 40 suites and there's club levels and it, it just, it has something for everyone. It looks like the average fan uh, has phenomenal seats all the way around. I mean, it just looks good. It looks like it's going to be, a place that will be a destination, a place that you will want to, um, you'll want to be, and it's going to change kind of the Austin skyline and view. Um, good friend of, I'll call it good friend of the podcast, certainly good friend of mine, Jim Nykar, the UT historian. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you absolutely should, but he tweets out photos of, you know, the campus, uh, or the stadium or things over time. There'll be, this is the 1980 view. This is 1992 before they finish this. And so there's always, he has these cool historical photos and timely for the Moody center. He tweeted one out where there was, uh, there was no San Jacinto Clark field was, was much bigger. The stadium had a track cause the, the track stadium wasn't built yet. It's crazy how much that area has changed, but, um, you know, you got to change with the times you got to keep growing and evolving. And I think right now, Texas is, uh, in their effort to be at the, the forefront uh, is is there. I think it will it will be cool for recruits. It will be cool for players. Um, the only thing you know missing, other than, well, no, they have the champagne lunch. Uh, will be the <laughs> uh, the fans showing up and actually making it a true home court advantage. Getting rowdy. I don't want just a wine and cheese crowd, even if we do have the Moet Lounge. I feel some kind of way about a fourteen dollar sausage wrap. I will say that, but they do have Austin Eastsider Tall Boys, which kind of balances things out for me. I think you know. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, as we talk about uh, the Moody Center accommodations. But I'm banging the drum this week on the last time I'm going to talk about this dumb non-controversy. So I talked last week about Moro Jomo's comments on the team and the coaches and how he wasn't wrong, but he probably shouldn't have said it. And then Sark, like the day after we recorded or whatever, um, was asked about the comments. And long story short, Sark said, yeah, I wish he had handled that behind closed doors. And, uh, you know, he probably won't be talking to the media anytime soon. And he kind of had a chuckle in his voice and the controversy that took off on Twitter and people unrelated to the university of Texas came at me and I put them in their place, which is fine. It's neither here nor there, but like the invented controversy around Sark's comments. Um, I will say this, anybody who's been around Texas media for any amount of time knew that as soon as Mora Ojomo started saying the things he said that we wouldn't see him for a long time. If you've ever covered Texas athletics and know how they handle media availability, it's the guys that can stay on script that generally you see a lot. And they obviously give you guys a personality, but they don't really um, get controversial. And if you didn't know that, now you know. They generally handpick the kids that get to talk to the media. That's why you hear from the same group of 10 or 12 guys all year. And, And really, the controversy was simply because Sark said the quiet part out loud. Right, we all knew that that was going to be the situation. We all knew that as soon as Moro Ojomo said what he said, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation. Now it's frustrating for me because in the era of NIL, media access is dollars and cents to these kids, and so his inability to put himself out there in front of the media will directly impact his ability to to make money as a college athlete, his ability to uh, generate 
dollars and cents off of his name, image, and likeness because, well, his likeness isn't out there as often. But that's part – but again, the media availability thing is part of the game. There are coaches that have things the way they think and things the way they feel. And really, I don't blame Sark for wanting to control the narrative as Texas tries to shift the culture because this is an environment with too many – chefs in the kitchen and too many voices in the locker room and too many media members trying to get dumb storylines pushed through the non controversies that we have each and every year that are invented by people uh, that are trying to get clicks. And I don't blame them because that's their job too. Kyle and I, Kyle and my job is to get you all to listen to the podcast. That is the thing that BON pays us to do. And so that's part of the job. I get it, but it sucks and it's annoying that it happened. And so I say all that to say, Multiple things can be true at the same time. Moro Joma was right with his feelings and the things that he said about his teammates. Steve Sarkeesian is also right about that probably should have been handled in the locker room. And Moro should have said to the media some of the things he said about teammates and coaches. And it sucks that Moro will have limited media access because he will have limited access to get his name out there and potentially get some NIL money in his pocket. All of those things can be true at the same time. Let's stop screaming at each other. It's too early in the off season for things to be this dumb already. Are you new here? Uh, <laughs> it's dumb and it stays dumb and it's always dumb. And, and if it's not Texas football, social media generally is a, is an echo chamber for dumb. Um, I love it. Some of it's funny. Some of y'all are hilarious and as well as dumb, but yeah, it, it's going to be dumb. People are going to be crazy. People are going to be mad. People are going to be happy when someone says something, when anything happens, there's opinions to be had. But, uh, I spent the weekend in the Big Easy, Gerald, in New Orleans. Just, you know, I came away with a little bit uh, a little bit of that Big Easy vibe. Just chill, everybody. Just have a good time. Uh, let the good times roll. Uh, I'd try to say it in French, and my, 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 my Cajun French would just embarrass me and my whole family. So um, just just let the good times roll. Uh, le bon temps brûlé. You know, it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be all right, guys. We're going to get there. You know, we, we, we got a long summer ahead of us. Pace yourself. And that's all we've got for you. This we Kyle, where can good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll be back on Thursday with our weekly fun show. Be back. Listen to us then. But until next time, hook them. Hook them. Hook them.